This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I'm your host, Tia, and this is not an interview. For episode six, I'd chat about everything from macarons to dinosaurs with one of my favorite people in comics, Natasha Alterisi, creator of the epic lesbian Viking comic Heathen, published by Vault Comics, as well as Les Film Review and more, which you can check out on her Patreon, web store, Instagram. We'll have links to everything in the show notes. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the chat. Okay, so you just binged all of BoJack season five. Yes, I did. I didn't think I would get through all of it before before we recorded, but uh, I just I like just finished the last episode like ten minutes ago. <laughs> Are you like just ready to lie on the ground in despair? You know, this is probably the first season where I haven't felt that way. Like, really? I mean, not that it was a happier season than than any of the past ones, but uh, do you do you watch the show? I love the show. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, like it was good. It was really, really good. <laughs> I haven't watched it the new season yet. I was going to try to watch it before we talked, but I didn't get a chance. But, um, God, yeah, I, I always just feel like I relate to every single character on that show somehow. <laughs> right. You're just like, oh, they're all so broken. Just like me. <laughs> Maybe not so much Mr. Peanut Butter. I just, I don't have that kind of enthusiasm in me. I know I was looking at like um, just like the Twitter feed just to see what people were talking about like as I was watching it and I just saw this one person who was like I've never related to anyone more than Mr. Peanut Butter and I'm like really? He's the one? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, we're very different people. <laughs> I almost kind of am jealous of that person's outlook on right? life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay so are you are we too enthusiastic thumbs up What what is the final verdict for season five do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm at least one. One thumbs up. Okay. I think. Yeah, it kind of uh, like it started off super, super strong, and then it just kind of got a little more messy and messy as it as it went on, which I mean is is part of how the show's supposed to be, so it makes sense. But there was just some things that I'm like, oh, they're not gonna round this out. Okay, I guess I'll just have to wait till next season. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. What's your favorite? episode or or season or arc of the show so far overall i really i really loved season four like um the whole the whole story arc with hollyhock and um also with bojack's mother who um yes i mean she like i rewatched that season like earlier this week uh to get myself prepared and man that like second to last episode which is like all about his mom and like and like her growing up it's it just like it just breaks me every single time i'm like oh god <laughs> but yeah those those ones are really great i almost feel like i want to rewatch season four and then just go right into season five that might be a lot it, it was definitely uh an emotional roller coaster for sure <laughs> I I what I like about that show is that it's such a good lesson in like don't explain too much to the audience. Like some people are animals and they're also people, but they're definitely animals and just roll with it and it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the I love the episode with like the the chicken escape and and they're and they're like going on about like, you know, this is not a friend chicken. This is a food chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's probably like the one where they really dig into that. Like, yes, we understand it's silly, but shh, don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just have to go with it. Mm-hmm. So um, other than BoJack, I feel like we definitely need to have a chat about baking. Oh, my God. Yay. <laughs> I know. I, for everyone who's listening, you need to follow Natasha for many reasons, including comics and lesbian film critiques and all sorts of cool stuff like that that we're going to talk about. But also, it's like the great Oklahoma Bake Off, just like on this Twitter <laughs> feed. It's amazing. Just all by myself over here, like, I'm going to, I'm going to win this one this time. <laughs> Your star baker every week. <laughs> every single week. It's me. <laughs> I win. <laughs> So what, um, what have you been up to lately? 
Oh, okay. This well, I I started my whole baking adventure with macarons because um, I tried some like last year and they blew my mind. It was the first time I've ever had a macaron before, and I was like, "This is ridiculous! I need to know how to make these." Uh, so I started like trying to learn to make those. But recently, I've been really into shortbread, the little crumbly, crunchy cookies. I'm like, this is the perfect cookie texture. It's so good. I love how every t- like every food you eat, you're like, how can I incorporate this into shortbread? Yes, I, I made uh, this week, I made caramel apple ones. I did like I, I sliced up an apple and I like dried it in the oven, like make made like apple chips with it and then I chopped it even smaller and then folded it into shortbread dough with like cinnamon. And then I had some caramel that I made last week that we were dipping it in. And it was just, it was ridiculous. It was so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, and you had not, you were not like a baker before. You just were like, I'm going to make the hardest thing there is to bake, which I feel like macarons are pretty hard. I mean, that's just kind of the story of my life. Like anything I try, I'm like, I'm going to try it the hardest way imaginable first and then see how I feel about it. Like, the <laughs> Right. Like the first time I made a comic, I'm like, I want to write and draw and letter the whole thing. I want to do it all by myself. <laughs> but it, and it was awesome. I mean, I, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I've since delegated some of those tasks out and I feel better about it now. <laughs> well, sometimes part of being a, a master of your craft is knowing how to delegate. I, yeah, I suppose so. I'm glad I've learned that skill. Yeah, definitely. Um, so help me because my macarons are always hollow. So are mine, honestly, every single time. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've tried like a million different recipes. I've tried, I have like, I have like limitations with my kitchen. Like my, my oven is like the way it's set up. It's so small in here that the kitchen, the, 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 um, the refrigerator and the oven like slam into each other. So I can't open the oven door all the way. Yeah, I would never be able to cook a turkey in this house. But I have, I can put things on the top rack of the of the oven. And I think, my suspicion is, is that after all of these attempts, there's just like too much steam or something in the oven. And I'm like, maybe I should leave the door open. I don't know. I'm, I'm still like, I'm still experimenting. Like after a year of like trying to make them, I'm like, eh, still haven't got it yet. I, I mean... I feel like, yeah, getting into the science of like why it makes them hollow is interesting. I'm a science nerd if it means I get to eat a lot of cookies in the process. Right. Yeah. Like learning about like why they why they turn out the way they do is 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 half of the fun for me. Because like I've always I've always cooked like I love just like throwing things on in, in a skillet and figuring out what happens. But that's that's such a thing where you can sort of adjust as you go. But when you bake something, like, you put it in the oven and just hope it comes out right. Like, you can't fix it once it's in there. Yeah, you have to sort of have accounted for all of the variables. And uh, so I was looking into why mine were hollow, and some people were saying that it's, like, literally the way that you incorporate the egg whites into the almond flour and, like, how many times you you stir it or fold yeah. it. Yeah, I've like, I've tried, there's some people that say there's like a magic number of times that you fold it. And I've, tr- and I've like tried doing that. I've tried counting the number and, and it still looks weird to me. Or I've tried just kind of going off of like how it's supposed to look. And I'm like, this still doesn't look right. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm just yeah. going to keep trying. <laughs> well, uh, I imagine that even when they're not perfect, they're still delicious. So that's true. Even when they're hollow, like I'm, I'm like, I'll just, I'll still eat these. Yeah, it's fine. definitely. <laughs> well, okay. So shortbread, what, what do you have uh, cooked up for your next batch? Any ideas? Oh, I, I want to do some for Halloween. Oh, I don't have my sketchbook over here. Well, I have like little like drawings, uh, in my sketchbook of different kind of cookies that I want to make. Like I find myself drawing like food things more often than I draw stuff for my comics. Which oh my is God, do not- a food comic. I, I did like a, a macaron comic, but yeah, I'm like, I'm like, maybe I should do another one about shortbread. <laughs> Just that. Just do like a whole cookie book. Just a whole cookie book. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. It'd be tasty. Oh, I found it. Okay. I went to my Instagram and I found it. So I want to do some, I want to do some little sugar cookie skulls with like a lemon glaze 
And then I wanted to do, there's these ones that I tried a while back that were like rosemary and fig and honey together. And those were pretty awesome. So I want to like try them again for a Halloween party we're going to have. So when my cousin got married, my aunt spent like literally a year making teeny tiny little cookies and they all froze really well. And then at the wedding, there was just this like entire table of cookies and it was amazing. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, yes. So I, I think shortbread is a hearty cookie that freezes well. I'm just putting it out there. That's good to know. Yeah, because um, <laughs> whenever I, I started wedding planning um, and I, I kind of threw out the idea that I wanted to try to make the wedding cake and everybody around me, my fiance, <laughs> her mom, they were all like, do not do that. Do not try it. You're going to be just like swimming in, in cake batter for like a week before. Don't don't even think about it. And I'm like, but I want to make something. So I might, I might make some cookies. That's what I'm going to do. They could make cute little like party favors. Yeah, that's yeah, that's my hope. I want to I, I I just like feel this need like if people are going to come and like celebrate something for me, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, just take something like have some food and I'll feel better about you coming here. Right. <laughs> food that you made. Feed you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm totally with you. Like, I mean, I love baking. I used to make cakes a lot Um, in my New York apartment. I don't really have the space for all of my like gadgets and things but I just yeah I love making cakes and I I feel like it's always traumatic like there's always a moment where I'm just like this cake needs Jesus or an exorcism (laughs) or something like I and I'm you know swearing up a storm and everything is terrible but it always turns out fine and good that's great that's good to know but you don't want that for your wedding no yeah I'm like you know I've 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 come around. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea to let somebody else handle the big one. Yeah. And if, if I want to like bake a bunch of cookies beforehand and if none of them turn out, well, I'll just won't even bring them and it's fine. I, I would have at least tried and not ruined the wedding by, you know, messing up a cake. <laughs> have you done any cake tastings yet? Do you know what kind of uh, like flavors or, or decorations oh, you're going for? Oh, absolutely. The cake was the first thing we figured out. <laughs> I, was, I was like, we want a lemon cake and we want blackberry filling and we and we want it to be like the naked cake. We don't. Yeah. I'm not a not a big fan of frosting. Neither is she. So we're we want it naked with like flowers and things. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're going for. Yeah, I don't like frosting either. I was so excited when the naked cake thing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're, fruit they're, filling. I, yes. Yes, and they and they look really pretty too. I like. I I like it. I think mm-hmm. it's cool. I mean, it fondant so is not food. It's disgusting. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm like, why is this on a cake? It tastes like like styrofoam it's weird I don't know what it is have you ever eaten any um Japanese pastries like mochis and things like that I haven't um I mean I've like tried little like candies and stuff that you can you know get at the the Asian food store uh, at Nam Hai but uh no I haven't I haven't had the the pleasure (laughs) so because they use a lot of sweet bean paste fillings, which freaks people out. You're like, have this lima bean cake. And they're like, no, I'm good. But it, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. But I would compare it to like a sweet potato texture. And yeah. the flavor is very, you know, bl- it's like a blank canvas. So if you mix it with some sugar, then it tastes like sort of sweet and velvety and, and mild, like a mild sweet flavor. And if you do... Like you can make flowers that look like sugar flowers, but they're out of these this like white bean paste. It's amazing. So yeah, like cake. That your wedding really cake should taste good. It should taste right. good. It should taste good. That's all I want. I want people to like have some good food, do a little bit of dancing, and then go home and leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> We're married exactly. Now, so. <laughs> you figured out the wedding. The like hacked the weddings. Are you going to have dinosaurs at your wedding? Yes. I've already got some. Okay. Uh, we got uh, a bunch of little, like, just like toys, like plastic animal toys, dinosaurs, and I've painted them gold. And they're going to sit on the table between vases of flowers and everything. Very, very fancy, but weird. <laughs> so for those of you listening, Natasha is like, I just, you're the dinosaur person. You have sketchbooks of dinosaurs and you draw a lot of dinosaurs. Uh, and can you, can you tell us... How you got interested in drawing dinosaurs? Oh, it was Jurassic Park, of course. I, uh, yeah, I, I got to see the movie when it came out in 1996. And I was like 
how old was I? Eight? I don't know. Um, time has slipped away from me. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, I've I've uh, been drawing dinosaurs since I was a little kid, and I and I still love to draw them. They're so fascinating to me because it's like it's like the perfect mixture of like science and art together. Right, yeah, drawing a dinosaur because you get to kind of like make up some of the details. Like nobody knows what color they were, so you can do whatever you want, and then getting the proportions and the details. Like oh, it's supposed to be more bird-like or whatever. That's it's all kind of interesting to me. I know. I rem- I mean, I was also a huge dinosaur nerd as a kid, and Jurassic Park was very thrilling. Mm-hmm. I, I remember too that after the movie came out for my science fair project, I wanted to do, uh, like a build some model skeletons to show. Because remember, they that was kind of when they first started talking about in popular culture birds being kind of the ancestors of dinosaurs rather than lizards you know so um and I had this book that I checked out from the library like a grown-up book this is why I'm scared of libraries to this day and my mom's friend who was a paleontologist was like oh this book's really interesting and he took it and then the library sent me a lot of threatening letters that they wanted their book back and I've been scared of libraries ever since (laughs) (laughs) oh no that's terrible (laughs) but as somebody who worked in a library, I'll tell you, if you just return the books, they'll, they'll waive all the fees. I used to, that was my thing when I worked at, I worked at a library for like eight years. And yeah, my, my job was to send the threatening letters and the people would come in and I'd be like, just give us the book and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll literally waive every fee. You won't have to pay anything. Yeah. We just want our books. <laughs> yeah, the book is gone. I don't know. Where the, oh no. <laughs> the paleontologist stole the book. <laughs> what, what, what do you think about um, velociraptors actually being tiny? I think that's awesome. I think they're more scary that way. I know, right? You ever had like a little dog like run up to you very fast? It's terrifying. You're like, oh God, what's he going to do? <laughs> like, he is nimble. He will get you. <laughs> yeah. The, I, it, it sort of makes me think about that. Like, would you rather be attacked by a an elephant sized chicken or like a hundred, <laughs> I don't know, like little tiny birds? I think that having a hundred tiny little bird sized creatures attack you it would definitely be scarier you could because it's one one thing that's big you could you could avoid that yeah because they're going to be a little bit slow you can kind of avoid it you could hide potentially but the little ones like they can get in anywhere and they can outmaneuver you definitely scarier yeah. having said that like i don't i i actually like how jurassic park recently has leaned into the whole like we know these aren't the real ones anymore but we're still going with it because that's what people think of when they think of dinosaurs. Mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I can I can rant for for hours about the new movies, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it's because they're like it's a it's a theme park, so the right, whole premise yeah. is that it's fantasy, even in the internal logic of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. Like in the like, I get the logic of it. But I just, I just love in the first movie how they're like, no, they're just animals. They're yeah. just animals. And so, like, the further they get away from they're just animals, and now they're actually monsters. I'm like, eh. I know. <laughs> I wanted them to be animals. <laughs> I mean, I'm so bad about that that I even think that like xenomorphs and alien are like they're just big kitties. <laughs> they're just, they, yeah, they just need to reproduce, and then they're just doing what they need to do. It's fine. It's just mommies protecting their babies. It's fine. Yeah. They're not bad. They're just, you know, it's their biological imperative. Yeah, they got to survive. It's fine. Predators are bad because they hunt for sport. Yeah, they're just like space people. Exactly. <laughs> Although there is a really cool predator comic where there's, I forget her name now, and there's like oh this woman who saves one of them and... So they like adopt her into the predator like world and and she like yeah, earns their respect. It's it's kind of cool. It's like, oh, okay. And there's no cuz they kind of did something like weirdly like gesturing towards that in one of the movies and there was like that moment where you're like, are they going to kiss? And that was weird. <laughs> oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen I've only seen the first Predator movie, I think. So I like I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I forget. Also, no. I think it was in an Alien versus Predator. I don't know. These movies are so good though. I want to sit down and watch all of these now. I'm going to have to now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> weird predator romance <laughs> but yes so you draw dinosaurs you draw cookies that you also make you draw 
an amazing comic called Heathen. That is one of my favorites. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you, I don't know. I know that things have been a little difficult because of various uh, challenges with doing all the things like you said earlier um, do you uh, do you chip away at, at the writing or do you do you have ideas for where it's going down the line oh yeah I've got I've got the whole the whole story is like plotted out to the to the end um, and I'm I'm working on the the final arc of, of scripts right now uh, the drawing is is much much slower I've got carpal tunnel it sucks <laughs> but what can I do? <laughs> well, don't uh, don't make it worse, please. That's what you shouldn't do. No, yeah, I, I in the beginning, I definitely was like trying to just like power through it, and that only made it so much worse. So I've I've spent the last like year, it feels like, just trying to heal and just drawing when I can, and taking taking breaks to ice my hands and stretch and and not overwork myself. So yeah, it's getting better. <laughs> It's crazy. I, you know, I have a dance background, so I am very familiar with how frustrating these kinds of injuries that keep you from doing your thing can be. And I don't think people realize how long it can take to rehab sometimes. Yeah, like I I especially didn't know. Well, and, you know, I'm just sort of like doing this on my own at home. You know, I, I don't have insurance, so I don't get to go to a doctor. So I'm just like looking up what other people have done to help yeah. their copper tunnel. And I'm like, okay, so I'll just do like this. And yeah, it's, it's taking definitely a lot longer than I ever expected it to. But again, Honestly, I, I went to physical therapy every week for like three years. And that's how long it took to heal some of my issues. So wow. I don't know that you necessarily are... Uh, gonna go any faster if you have a, a medical team I mean obviously like there are some things but for a lot of it I feel like it's just patience right yeah I think that's true where's our robot bodies already right yeah science are we not there yet can I, I just get a re- I'll just get a replacement one <laughs> <laughs> um so it sounds like you're doing a lot more writing which is cool are there, are there any projects you can tell us about well, I've got a couple different novels that I'm chipping away at. Um, I just keep like picking up and putting back down whenever I, you know, inspiration strikes me. And then I have this this short story project where I haven't decided if I want to like make those comics later on down the road or if I just want to keep them as short stories. Um, but it's it's based on uh, I my tentative title for it was All the Girls I Loved and then that that show came out or movie oh, I guess on Netflix yeah. All the Boys I Loved and I was like oh I got to change my title now <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing and then I saw everybody tweeting about it I'm like who's talking about my book that doesn't exist yet <laughs> rude <laughs> um, um, but it, but it was basically just uh, little short stories dedicated or just you know about inspired by all the all the girls that I was like best friends with when I was little um, all the different best friends I've had and uh how looking back on it now as like an adult out queer woman i can look back and go oh that was me having a crush i didn't even think about it at the time but like i can look back and be like yeah i liked her (laughs) right i I mean i feel like people don't really realize how important having i i hate to say a script because that that implies some some sort of i don't know like that it's disingenuous somehow but like you know you you have scripts basically in in the media that you consume that tell you like what things are or how things feel and and what what they're called and and if you don't have that then you know it's not self-evident sometimes yeah I mean I didn't I didn't quite figure out that I was uh bisexual until I was like uh like 22, I guess was when I like truly like figured it out for myself. I was like, Oh, that's, that's what it is. And, and even like at that point, I still didn't like look back at all the, you know, all the friends or whatever before and think, Oh, I had a crush on her. No, it like, it didn't, it still dawns on me like today, like I'll be watching a movie that I used to watch as a kid. And I'm like, Oh my God, I like, I loved this character as a kid because I was attracted to her. And I get that now. (laughs) (laughs) I did get it then, but now I do. (laughs) Do you feel like it's important to you to get, make you know make books or make comics or put 
put media out in the world to be that for other people? Or do you feel like, you know, you'd kind of just are doing your thing and sometimes it, it gestures toward that, but mostly it's not an imperative for you? I mean, I think, I mean, I think it is just important for, for other people for sure. Um, just for these things to exist, but then, oh my God, hold on. My cat just like, just trying to eat my computer. (laughs) Don't do that little baby. Oh, she's so bad. Go, go play. (laughs) Um, what was I saying? Okay. Yes. I think it's important for this media to exist. Um, simply for the fact that it never, or it, you know, not enough of it exists already. Um, I know when I was a kid, you know, I, there was no way for me to figure that out because I didn't know any gay people. I didn't know gay was a thing. Like it just, it didn't exist in my mind. Right. Um, So I think the only like frame of reference I had was probably like Ellen coming out. But even then I only had the words. I still didn't quite know what it meant. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, she's gay. That means she likes other girls. I'm like, Oh, I think if I had like heard that spelled out in very plain language, I might've been like, that's, that's what I am. Oh, oh, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, so you do the lesbian film review comics Mm -hmm. and, um, are there any that you could talk about that have stuck out to you as being like either really good examples or really bad examples or surprising examples (laughs) that you didn't think of maybe the first time you watched them and then you're like, Oh, I mean, just, I think whenever I first like set out, like looking for all the lesbian films, I I just expected to find a lot of bad ones because the only ones that I knew of, like to start with, like the, you know, I would, I would search on Google. I'm like best lesbian films or top 10 lesbian films. And like the ones that were listed there. And I'm like, I don't like any of these. Um, so and what are the, what are the, some like, these are the attributes of a bad lesbian film. I mean, for me, it's just, it's just like, they're just, they're just poor quality, like films. Like they're just, and, and, you know, I feel bad, like as somebody who like creates stuff, like I don't want to be the person that says that what something somebody else is creating is bad, but, uh, cause I'm like, oh, they probably tried very hard and I like want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then other times I'm just like, oh, this is definitely written by like a straight man and he doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I then think I want that to, that's yeah. fair to criticize. Right. Um, so, and then I think, I think, yeah, what makes a, a bad lesbian films are the ones where it's like clearly not not written by a lesbian or clearly not um or at least like didn't even consult i I think one of the best bad examples is jenny's wedding which i'm pretty sure is still on netflix it was on there forever uh with uh, with uh katie heigl katherine heigl yeah and uh uh uh, alexis bledel but it's like the movie's not even about the lesbians like at all like Alexis Bledel has like three lines in the whole movie and uh and it's just like all about her family and like their uh, like Katherine Heigl's family and like how much they're reacting to her being a lesbian they're like oh my god it's just the worst thing that's ever happened to us and they're just so dramatic <laughs> about it and I'm just like oh who's this movie for it's definitely not for me because I don't want to watch like angsty families like trying to deal with that I'm like no they can they can do that on their own time I don't want to see it and like that's for you guys to deal with (laughs) for me as a lesbian I'm like I want to deal with the ones that are like oh like here's her going like who cares what my family thinks I love you blah 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 you know that kind of thing yeah I mean I I think that you know for it for people who are not lesbians it's also important to see those kinds of stories because it's just like hey you know experiences a a point of view outside of your own and mm-hmm. and humanize other perspectives right yeah I think that's I think Jenny's wedding is a good one to recommend if like you've got super conservative relatives and you're like and you're like okay so you don't understand it I understand that you don't understand it so why don't you watch this movie maybe it will help you slowly understand because yeah it's like a very like they're very against it and then they very slowly kind of come around and i'm like maybe i don't know maybe that's who the movie's for it's not it's not for me as a queer woman it's i'm like no i don't want it never mind (laughs) so what are your favorites that you feel like are more for queer women or for 
audiences who are looking for that perspective? Uh, I don't know if I'm the best person to recommend like the ones for everybody else, but I know the ones that I really like. Um, I love, I love Fingersmith, the, the BBC one. Um, it's not even a movie. I think it's like a three part, like mini series that I had to buy. I had to buy like $30 on Netflix or uh, on Amazon is ridiculous, but it's worth it. I love it. And then I really love, um, oh man, I just blanked on the name. I'm going to look it up because I got it right here because I own it. Um, it's a little indie film. Oh, the Foxy Merkins, that one. I've never ever, seen it. Oh my God, it's so delightful. It's about um, an, an asthmatic uh, lesbian prostitute who's, <laughs> it's, it's, like it sounds like it's going to be a sad sad story but it's very much not it's very delightful and sweet and it's it's an indie movie um they just they it's about this lesbian prostitute and how she's like making her way as a lesbian prostitute and all the <laughs> all the interesting experiences she goes through and I'm like I don't know how I relate to this movie so much it's definitely not an experience I've had but I I love it it's like a little buddy comedy and it's it's hilarious and it's sweet and it's so charming like the first like two minutes of that movie if you're not like in love with it then I don't think you're gonna love it but like it's definitely one of my favorites there's a lot to be said for movies that are just kind of weird and funny and charming Mm -hmm. those are my favorites or the ones that are like just sad and depressing like uh, another one I really like is called Bear B-A-R-E and I think I saw that one on Netflix but uh, it's about this like small town girl who like meets this uh, this like drifter kind of like drug dealer or, or she she's just like this this character that just like comes into her life and 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 somehow gets her into like stripping like doing exotic dancing and stuff and and for some reason it's just such a like engaging movie I'm like I really like this and she's just like so you could just tell she just doesn't like her life like in the small town like she's supposed to be getting married and like doing the thing like like all of her friends are. And then she just meets this girl that's like, why don't you be a stripper instead? And she's like, okay. And (laughs) (laughs) she somehow like finds like all this like freedom in it. It's really, it's really interesting. I liked that one. Um, I, being in a small town, I feel like that is uh, something that a lot of people could relate to. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something I relate to. Yeah. We, I think that we've talked before because I, I briefly lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and that's kind of near you. Yeah, I, uh, I was born in that area and kind of grew up around, around theirs. Now, having lived in a few major cities and a few smaller cities, I have to say, like, I understand why people would feel really frustrated living in a small town, but I didn't, I can also see why it would be nice. Yeah, I've, I, I kind of, I kind of had the same experience. Like I haven't lived in huge cities. Like right now I live in Tulsa, which isn't humongous, but there's definitely things about it that are super different from a small town. It's constant noise. It's yeah, it's interesting. I'm learning to like it. I definitely like miss just being able to like drive and be in the woods and just be like totally quiet. Yeah. There's a lot of that around uh, Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. I used to go, um, apparently there's a law where like, if there's more than, I can't remember the number now, like three or four graves on your property, it's considered like you have to let strangers visit the graves. What? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, cause I mean, you know, there's, there are a lot of, uh, makeshift cemeteries in that like in the midwest in that in the ozarks you know i get yeah i guess so i hadn't really thought about that yeah that makes sense (laughs) yeah so you would just find these like random little burying grounds and they're really interesting and 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 you would just traipse onto someone's you know like field and check them out and yeah Mm -hmm. wow yeah i have a i have a friend uh that i used to work with at the library that would like go grave hunting and she would just like go and photograph gravestones at like different cemeteries and stuff i was i always thought that was a a very interesting hobby (laughs) for someone as interested in skulls as you are i'm surprised that that you're not a little more like morbid you know 
yeah, that's like a comment I've like heard before. Like uh, the first like like art show I guess I ever did, or like where I just you know set up a booth and was and was selling my work. I had just all these sketches and stuff, these charcoal drawings that I'd done of like skulls and stuff, and um, and this lady, this like mom looking type. She she was just like so so why so morbid why all that <laughs> and I was like morbid I was like is it and I was looking at them and I was like I think they're cute <laughs> I was like I I just I don't know anatomy's interesting to me I think it's just the science nerd again yeah yeah I was gonna say that there's like a Venn diagram of people who are interested in skulls and you're you're you seem like the science side of yeah. that yeah I'm like uh I don't know. I guess it. I guess it is a little morbid, but I don't know. I kind of think of it more in a, uh, maybe just the the nihilist side of me. I'm just like, eh, you know, existence is meaningless. <laughs> Whatever. I'll draw a skull. It's neat. <laughs> you know, it's like the part of you that remains after you have gone on. Yes, that's true. I want to be a fossil someday. That's neat. <laughs> Hopefully. You know, they can. Um, if you are cremated, they can turn your ashes into a diamond. I've heard, I've, you know, have you seen the thing where they take your ashes and they put it like into art? Like, Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. They'll just literally like sprinkle it onto a canvas with like glue and stuff and make art. I personally would, if I'm not turned into a fossil by some freak accident, (laughs) I, I want to be, uh, turned into a tree. I want to be the, there's like a service where you can get your ashes put into like the soil of a, of a tree and planted in the yard. I've like, seen yes, that. I want to be a tree. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Peaceful. I wonder, I mean, so yeah, like Jackson Pollock would put junk in his paintings all the time, like ashes from his cigarettes or sand or whatever. So, you know, why not? Right. Yeah, I always wondered if that was intentional or if he was just a sloppy artist. (laughs) I mean, his studio looks like mine. There's just junk everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, probably a little column A, a little column B. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, do you, I feel like you have so many interests and things that you do and, and things that I associate with you, but, and they're all creative things. Do you consider yourself like primarily an artist or primarily a writer or a you know at this point or a baker or I mean it almost reminds me of like you know back in the Renaissance when when these people were just kind of uh, learned people of all things. Uh, I mean, I I would I would think that like writing and and baking and and all of these different like creative ventures kind of all fall under the umbrella of artist. So, yeah, I would I would just say an artist of many trades. <laughs> it's um it's always interesting to me too how people shift their brain from one thing to the other or or is that something that you even think about? Well, I I think I've always just sort of been like an obsessive kind of personality like I get interested in something and then I just I just sort of I just obsess over it for a long time and, and that's, you know, how I end up with all these different like projects like uh, in in high school, you know, it was uh, writing short stories that my friends and I would, well, we would all write short stories together and then critique them back and forth. Um, they were all terrible. Uh, but <laughs> then I got to college and I was doing like fine art stuff um, and a little bit of comics work. And so I was just like super obsessed about that and 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 currently I'm very obsessed with baking so that's my thing right now. <laughs> um no, it's I think that's just I think that's just a, an artist's brain you just move from one thing to another and just you just get obsessed and you just have to pursue it, you know, at yeah. all costs. Yeah. Were you always into comics? It sounds like uh growing up you were interested in in all kinds of arts. Um I only discovered comics in college because I had uh, I was assigned to read comics in my like composition one class. Um, yeah, uh, I had I don't think I ever read comics before that, but I you know I lived in a tiny tiny town where there you know wasn't a comic store, right. and I don't think the library had a section or at least they didn't advertise it. But I was mostly in the you know the science books anyways. So it was like you know I spy books or whatever where there was just like 
or is that what they were called? I don't even remember now, but they were like the science books where there would just be like a big picture of like a dog and it'd be a whole book about dogs. Or yeah. The Egypt one and be all this stuff about Egypt. And I'm like, oh, I just like <laughs> go through those. Um, but no, I discovered co- uh, comics in college and uh, started reading from there. And it, it just it just made sense. Like since I had had a previous interest in writing and I also had this interest in drawing, I'm like, why am I not doing comics? That's like the perfect marriage of the two. Yeah, definitely. And so was he then your first like serious comic that you made? Or do you have a lot of uh, sort of like Natasha the early years? I, I mean, I have some some earlier ones that no one's ever going to get to see. <laughs> uh, I have like uh, for my senior year of college, I did a, an independent study um, where I I worked on a comic and I got like 50 pages or something drawn for it. There were only they were only penciled, but uh, I still have them in a binder. And every now and then I'll just like pick it up and, and flip through it. And I'm like, yeah, this was a thing I did. But that's, <laughs> that's where I've left it. Uh, yeah. But um, I did a couple like collaborative comics like in the years before I did Heathen. I did this one called Lucid where we did one issue. And then I did another one called Illustrated Girl where we did two issues. Um, and then after that, I, I uh, started writing Heathen. And I was like, okay, I need to. I need to do this for me. So I got obsessed and then I did it. And it was great. And we love it. Thank you. <laughs> and every time I wear my heathen t-shirt, at least like 12 million people stop me to ask, like to ask about it. So that's a good amount. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hope they're all going out and buying it afterwards. Me too. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Well, you, it sounds like, have a lot of stuff going on even if he then is kind of uh taking the scenic route to to its conclusion but there's plenty for people to keep up with if they want to keep up with you yes i mean he then will be done you know hopefully within the next year i've got one more issue to draw and then there's four more after that uh that i'll be writing and uh or I'm, i'm writing right now um, and then that'll, that'll be my end of heathen 12 issues was, was always my goal for it. So, yeah, but, yeah, there are more projects coming down the pipeline. So would you ever, did you ever think about, I don't know, like Lumberjanes got passed on to a new creative team would, if there was a new creative team that was like, oh, we really just want to keep this character going. Would you ever like pass your baby on or, or is it like, no, that's, that's just for you. I mean, it's it's something that's like you know in the in the contract with with Vault um, that uh, that if I wanted to you know if they wanted to continue making the book um, that I would get to help them put together a new team and and do that. But yeah, if that happened, I think I would definitely have to like take a step back and just and just let them yeah. have their have their vision with it because um, twelve was definitely like my end. So I'm like, okay, here's as much as I as I have for it. And then after that, I would be interested to see what other people could come up with um, in that universe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, we'll see. <laughs> you know, the the source material is so rich. And um, I think that what you do with, with it is, is great because you're not taking it exactly one for one. Like, it, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, there's... I, the sky is definitely the limit. I like twelve though for like that's a good number for a series. Yeah, yeah it's like three volumes and then one little little omnibus. Hopefully, exactly. I think that would be that's nice. It's a good number. And I I personally, you know, I mean, when it comes to like ongoing versus like terminal stories, I I kind of like I kind of like things that that wrap up and mm-hmm. and are are tidy. Like to feel complete. <laughs> I I get the feeling that you know endings are hard to land and so people just avoid them by spinning stuff out <laughs> uh yeah i think that's yeah i i think it's a it's a toss-up between either it, it being too hard to to find a way to end it or either it being too hard to to find more to do after a certain point i think i think an ongoing would definitely be be harder for me um just in, as far as how my brain works like some people, some people out there can think of a million stories to do with with a single character. For me, I'm like, no, this is their story. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> Could do a whole saga miniseries where Saga goes off and has adventures. 
just the horse yeah <laughs> I wanted to do I wanted to do like a little prequel story of like you know how Adis and her dad found Saga um, which I might I might still do someday maybe for if Vault wants to do like a free comic book day kind of thing oh that would be sweet and you know there's just something so special about like a young girl discovering her love of horses and like just meeting her horse mm-hmm were you a horse girl oh no (laughs) (laughs) i in real life i'm terrified of horses and i always think it's really interesting that people are like you draw horses so well and i'm like well you know i'm just looking at pictures i don't have to like see them (laughs) i don't want to be around them they're so big and smart and strong and i'm like you i respect i'm just gonna stand over here When I was uh, like in middle school, I was really horsey and I took care of my teacher's horses when she would like was doing this thing abroad. And um, yeah, there was this one horse and he was gigantic. Like his head was the size of my entire body. And he used to like press me up against a, a, po- a fence post and like rub his head against me. And I, I mean, there's just something you can do. <laughs> like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I don't know what he was I didn't I don't speak saga so I don't know what he was trying to tell me <laughs> I would hope that would be something affectionate like I hope so he's like you're my friend hello yeah <laughs> hopefully we were good buddies we were good buddies but um yeah no that so um I'm really glad that you ended up with the vault guys I feel like they're they're just like all the things that we need in comics yeah, it's been it's been a fun adventure. And there's, you know, so many great people working there or, you know, doing projects with them. And having Jen Bartel doing covers and tests uh Oh uh, yeah. So great. Like just such a good good team of people. Um one thing I w- wanted to ask you about is are you, have you always been a mythology nerd as well as a science nerd or like how did you put together these themes with the uh, Norse mythology. Uh, that's yeah, that's the one that that people always ask, and I'm and I'm, I have to be honest. No, I was never a mythology nerd. Uh, I only got into mythology for heathen. Like I I learned what I needed to learn for the story. Um, I like uh, I like science, so I like I like to study like you know early humans and stuff, and and like those you know, medieval kind of times where people were, were struggling to survive out in the wilds by themselves and stuff. That's something that's super interesting mm-hmm. to me. And so the idea of, uh, you know, Adis came about, she was a costume design because I was going to the Ren Fair and everybody was dressing up and I wanted to dress up as a Viking character. And uh, so that's what she was initially. And then after that, I was like, well, this is just interesting. I just want to see what her life is about. And uh, so then from there, it just sort of like, well, of course, you know, she would be interested in the mythology of her time. Like, that's what would be her story. So I just sort of bloomed off into that path. Um, so, no, it wasn't it wasn't something that I was previously kind of into. But I mean, they have such a such a resonance that it's it's kind of hard not to get caught up in it, um, especially when I discovered like uh, Brynhild's story. Uh you know, this cursed Valkyrie who disobeyed a god and was cursed to marry a man that just like blew my mind. I was like, that's strong. I need to, I need to explore that. Yeah. (laughs) It is a punishment. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just sort of, it was pretty easy to get into. It's frustrating to me because, um, I feel like with Norse stuff in particular, you always have to vet things so thoroughly and make sure that there's not some kind of like weird, neo-nazi connection to it like they just ruin everything i've only you know when i when i put out like the first you know couple issues i didn't know that that was even a thing until until some of those people started harassing me and uh i was like oh okay i didn't know that those people existed and i'm like i guess i gotta deal with that now um but yeah i they don't they don't own it (laughs) No, I I'm glad that there there are creators who are like you know resting it away and putting it yeah, back into something good. It's just unfair that like those people want to like retroactively say this is mine and it belongs to me. And I'm like no 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 excuse you it does not it does not. <laughs> and and I mean it's also you know there's like a whole thriving like you know, heathen community today that's like not Nazis and, you know, 
and they they have a complaint right. to it too so i'm like that's not fair of you guys to to be like nope we're gonna be racist and i'm like no 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 <laughs> not in my story <laughs> i i just discovered this band what are they called um healing and they're like this pre-christian pagan like iron age nordic metal band it's so cool um and then and all yeah they're they do these like runic shamanistic chanting and like the throat singing and they like play it's like what do you play in the band oh i tap bones together you know it's it's really cool but um i'm like i don't think that my like northern european language skills are sophisticated enough to be able to like go on reddit and be like are these are these guys cool is this okay i need somebody like find somebody who can research that for you (laughs) i know we need we're gonna take it back so people can find you on the internet places and they can uh buy your work and support you places can you tell us where those places are course um i have a website alterici.com a-l-t-e-r-i-c-i and that links out to most of my social medias uh i've got uh, prints on society six and i've got uh short comics and and sketchbooks for sale on gumroad uh again all of those are linked via my website and then on you know twitter at alterici where i'm i'm the most annoying. If you want to see all of my art and none of my uh, terrible things, you can go to Alterisi underscore art on Instagram. That's where I prefer people follow me because I'm the least annoying. And there's also pictures of cats and cookies, which is great. Those are the best. I love your cats. Oh, me too. They're driving me nuts right now, but I love them. Yes. <laughs> They're good. They're good babies. <laughs> Um, Natasha, we are all huge fans of yours at I I Read Comic Books, and thank you so much for uh, having a chat with me. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. You can follow Natasha on Instagram at alterisi underscore art and on Twitter at alterisi. You can follow me on Twitter at Portrait of Madame X, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. We have a Goodreads group with weekly threads, a monthly show, all kinds of discussions. And you can find all of the episodes as well as merch on our website, ircbpodcast.com. Please rate the show, subscribe, tell your friends. You can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. Infinity Shred is the best. They do our music. Thank you to Natasha for the chat. Thank you to Xander, the audio wizard who edits the show. Thank you to Mike, our podcast producer extraordinaire. And of course, thank you for listening. 